millennials don't like to go to the doctors. They feel, you know, I'm healthy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't need to see the doctor. But having a PCP is extremely important, regardless of the age, right? No matter how old you are, what's your gender, what's your history in terms of whether or not you have any medical problems, it's always a good idea to establish, develop, and maintain a relationship with your primary care physician. For Hartford HealthCare, I'm Anne Rondepierre, and this is More Life. In this episode, Dr. Lynette Rosario, a primary care physician with the Hartford HealthCare Medical Group in Bridgeport, Connecticut, talks about millennial health and why we all need that primary care connection. Thanks for joining us, Dr. Rosario. First, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Thank you so much for having me, Anne. I'm originally from the Dominican Republic. I went to school in the Dominican Republic, later came to the United States. I trained in the Bronx at Bronx Lebanon Hospital, and now I am in Bridgeport with St. Vincent, and I have been serving the community here in Bridgeport. And being a family physician, I'm assuming you've had the opportunity to watch some of these millennials grow up, literally. And what we're looking at is millennials born between 1981 and 1996. But statistics show us that nearly 50% of millennials mm -hmm. do not have a primary care doctor. Now, is that something that you're seeing as well, or is your practice an exception to that? It's definitely not an exception. I do have um, millennials in my practice, but mostly is is my older patients, right? Mm -hmm. Like the baby boomers, if sure. you will. Um, there is definitely that statistic is right. Um, millennials don't like to go to the doctors. They feel, you know, I'm healthy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't need to see the doctor. But, you know, having a PCP is extremely important, regardless of the age, right? No matter how old you are, what's your gender, what's your history in terms of whether or not you have any medical problems, it's always a good idea to establish, develop, and maintain a relationship with your primary care physician. One of the biggest misconceptions is that a visit to the primary care physician is done, you only do it if and when you have a medical concern whether this is a new one or you had a pre-existing medical condition. And this is actually not true. Actually, one of the most important roles of a primary care physician is to assess and help maintain your health over time, longitudinally, right? Once you establish a relationship with a primary care, it will mean that they'll get to know you, you'll foster that relationship of trust, they'll make you feel more comfortable having conversations about your health now, in the past, and in the possible future. That relationship, that patient-doctor relationship, it's extremely important. Your doctor should know about your past medical history, your family medical history. They should know about your allergies. They should know about the risk factors um, that you have now or that you may encounter in the future. I think that's one of the main reasons why seeing a PCP or a primary care physician doesn't necessarily have to do with whether I'm sick or not. Sure. You know, the other way to think about it is, well, if I go to my primary care doctor, it's kind of like the one-stop shop, right? You can get your physicals, you can get your vaccines, um, you can talk about cold symptoms, abdominal pain. Women can talk about any other gynecological or reproductive issues, mm -hmm. um, depression, anxiety. All of those issues we are able to take care of for you. 
or refer you to the appropriate specialist. Correct. And that's the other that's the other part of primary care. We are the centralized place, right? We mm-hmm. are the the persons that will try to work with you with your health issues and will be the ones referring you to the specialist once the need is there. Kind of like early detection of problems and um, facilitate the uh, coordination of your care. Another thing is it's cost effective, right? Instead of having to go to the emergency room or urgent care, Mm -hmm. you come to your primary care doctor and the urgent care co-pays or emergency room co-pays will not be there. Yes. And uh, hey, I'll admit, we love our urgent care and walk-ins as an (laughs) option during off hours. But there is nothing like having that nucleus of your care who can see you as a person and your health and your history, the big picture, and really help you manage it as you grow older. And the urgent cares, they do have their space, right? Mm -hmm. To have you get care immediately when your doctor's office is off hours or is the weekends, for example. It should not be the place that you go for your care on a regular basis. Several reasons as to why. One is that it's not going to be the same doctor every single time you go. It's going to be a different doctor. Mm -hmm. You will have to repeat everything in terms of your history, any medications or allergies every single time you go, and they will be seeing you as a snapshot of who you are in that particular moment. They will address that particular health issue. They will not see you as a whole as the complete person that you are, your past history, and how this could be playing into your current problem at the time. Sure. And then you're missing out on that relationship that you develop with your primary care. Yeah. Dr. Rosario, do you have, well, you're a family practice. Do you have several family members? Does that happen often? It does happen often. Um, I do have, usually it starts with the mom. Uh Of course. (laughs) The mom comes in, then she brings the husband reluctantly, (laughs) (laughs) but then she brings the husband and then the, the children follow. I do have families where I see the grandmother, all the kids, the grandkids. So I do see everybody in the family. And it also helps a little bit to understand family dynamics as well and how they can play out into medical issues, especially when there is any kind of mental health or behavioral issues. It's very important to know that background as well. Right. I can see how that could be a win-win for the physician and for the family that you all kind of know each other. And I have really good relationship with a lot of my patients. I've seen them sometimes. I see, I find them on the streets and they say, hi, Dr. Rosario. They go yeah. on vacation and, you know, they say, I thought about you when I was X, Y, or C. And to me, there's nothing more rewarding than that, right? Like you are on vacation relaxing and you think of me and say thank you for whatever reason or think about your doctor and say you know I was very sick last month and now I'm able to enjoy that vacation and to me is the greatest joy. Very rewarding I'm (laughs) sure. You know it's funny just hearing you talk about different family members you had mentioned that elderly people tend to have a primary care physician Of course, most kids have a pediatrician. How can we bridge that gap and convince young adults that you need your doctor too? (laughs) I think the parents play a role as well, but also 
millennials and kids these days are very much about instant gratification. They're more technologically advanced Mm -hmm. than, you know, other generations. We just have to let them understand that now is a good time to create the good habits that most likely will bring good health in their middle age after 40 and beyond that. It's kind of like formative years, if you will, between the 18 age uh, until like say 25, 26, when it's good to establish good health, ha- healthy habits. Sure. Maintaining healthy lifestyle, including a lean body mass index or BMI, no excess alcohol intake, no smoking, um, healthy diet, regular physical activity from your young adulthood until you're, until you're 40 years old is strongly associated with low cardiovascular disease risk in middle age and, and beyond there. Okay. Understanding that part for the patients and for them to understand that this is one of the reasons why it would be great for them to come and see the doctor at least once a year to create that good foundation for later. I think that's one of the ways that we could try and bridge the gap. Once again, our guest today is Dr. Lynette Rosario, a primary care physician at Hartford HealthCare's Medical Group in Bridgeport, Connecticut. And we're discussing the importance of primary care and having your own doctor at any age, but especially for millennials who, believe it or not, the first millennials will be turning 40 next year. Dr. Rosario, does the annual physical typically change around age 40? Are there additional tests that you might be ordering or health risks you might be looking at? Absolutely. It starts about changing around age 35. Um, And we should start looking at your cholesterol panel um, and look and see if there is any issues there that could potentially let us know in the future um, what's your risk for cardiovascular disease. Specifically at age 40, women should start getting their mammograms, uh, especially more if there is a family history of breast cancer. In terms of males, this is when we start having increased risk just based on age alone of cardiovascular disease, specifically myocardial infarction or heart attacks. At that age as well, we start screening for diabetes. We start screening for, um, as I said before, risk factors for cardiovascular disease. You mentioned mammograms for women. For millennial women, and other generations, I'm sure. It's not unusual for us to skip the primary care visits once we start seeing our OBGYN on a regular basis. Why do we need both? So two very important reasons. Number one is that guidelines have changed in terms of screening for um, cervical cancer, which is one of the main reasons why we used to go to the GYN every single year. Now we've learned a little bit more about how cervical cancer behaves and it is the progression is much slower than once thought. So now we are the recommendation is for a pap smear to be done every three years. And that is also with HPV and depending on the age range. So it used to be that women had the GYN to be seen on a yearly basis, but now since everything has changed, now it seems like the need is only there for every three years. Now, OBGYN will also order your mammogram, absolutely, 
and they will do a pelvic exam, but they will not look into your cardiovascular risk factors. They will not look into your diabetes screening or high blood pressure screening. They would also not look into your cholesterol screening. Mm -hmm. Um, They will probably touch a little bit about your um, body max index and the ranges of overweight, normal weight, or obesity, and what the risk alone confers for your health. But um, the primary care physician can also do your pap smear and order for your mammogram as well, especially if it's family medicine um, trained like me. Mm-hmm. Well, let me stop you there. Are all primary care physicians qualified to give a pap smear or is that is that special training? All primary cares should be able to do it. Um, I think it has to do a lot more with um, preference. Mm-hmm. Um, family medicine, because we're more uh, comprehensive training, we do spend more time with training for GYN procedures and examinations, okay. um, as well as training for women during their reproductive years, um, and that includes pregnancy. So not all primary care feels comfortable with doing, especially internal medicine, with doing pap smears, but that's where the difference is. That's what sets a family practitioner apart? Among uh, other things. The difference is also that you can also see children and family, family care. Um, internal medicine only specializes in adult medicine. Dr. Rosario, what age do you recommend big kids transition from their pediatrician to an adult primary care doctor. I know that I struggled with my own children when they hit college age and it was time to take the leap. Yeah, I mean, as as soon as they are 18 years old, they can start coming to our practice. They're considered adults. And most pediatric practices um, usually would encourage patients to be seen by an adult doctor. And this is not only because of age, but also because usually in pediatrics, most of the medications and the treatment is based on weight. And once you're past a certain weight, now your body is physiologically adult and an adult doctor is more than capable of caring for you moving forward. It's a great time also, college time, because in order to go to college, they will need a physical examination, kind of like a school evaluation physical um, that they used to have for like school. Mm-hmm. It will be about the same, um, and it's a great time to get the patients into the door. Right, because sometimes college students need additional vaccines, correct? Correct. They will need meningococcal vaccine. For the most part, they probably receive the first and second dose maybe um, during their pediatric years. Mm -hmm. But if they didn't, it's a great time to catch that missed vaccine and be able to give it to, to the patients before they start college. They also need to make sure that all the communicable diseases such as hepatitis A, hepatitis B, measles, mumps, rubella, varicella, um, that the patients have received those vaccines and or have um, adequate titers before they go to school so that they're not contagious. Okay. And that makes me wonder, do you think that since we were discussing before that a lot of people in the millennial generation 50% statistics show do not have a primary care physician. Do you think they drop off the grid around college age or when they age out of the pediatrician? Is that where we're losing them? I think so. I think that's a really good point you're making. You know, now you're in college, now you're 
independent on your own. You think that um, I, I feel good. I'm okay. And you know um, it all, right? <laughs> and you know it all. Yeah, sure. <laughs> you know it all. Mom and dad don't know anything. And I think that's that's a place where now you're trying to find your freedom, understand about yourself. And unless there is anything um, that will bring you back to the doctor, most likely they won't. Sometimes what brings back is mostly women looking for probably family planning or, you know, wanting to make sure any kind of STD testing Mm -hmm. and um, caring for their reproductive needs. That would bring the women or the, the females in, but not necessarily the male patients. So you do think there might maybe more of a gap with young adult males? I do think so. Okay. Absolutely. I mean, I can see that also in my older patients <laughs> as well. Sometimes it's challenging to get them into care um, sure. and more challenging to get them to do their preventive medicine uh, or their preventive test that it's so important to maintain health. Okay. Well, that's good to know that we need to give the men we love of any age a little nudge and maybe a little reminder to, uh, <laughs> A, make sure you have a doctor, and B, don't forget to yeah. take advantage of all they have Don't forget to, to do what they yeah, say. Exactly. It's great. Dr. Rosario, can you fill us in on the latest trend, virtual care visits? They're on the rise. How's it working out? Yes, the whole COVID-19 pandemic has come to give us this possibility of doing more virtual visits. Um, Patients feel more comfortable doing Mm -hmm. this from their home. Their stay-at-home orders were put in place. So we definitely see an uptick in this. Several challenges um, in terms of technology for the patients to kind of like set it up. Mm -hmm. But once the patients are able... Right, getting used to it. But once the patients are able to understand how the how the software, whichever it is that you're using, works, is pretty well received. Obviously, there are limitations in terms that you're not seeing the patient, you know, and you if they have an issue, say, in their throat, it's very difficult to see through the computer um, camera. But we are able to still care for these patients in this uncertain circumstances and definitely unprecedented circumstances. The virtual visits were an option before, but they have definitely dominated how we have been doing care in the last couple of months. And, you know, I've heard it from some patients and friends. They enjoy that convenience and that option. What's Mm -hmm. What's it like from your perspective, a physician's perspective? Do you enjoy virtual visits? I would prefer seeing the patient face to face, mm-hmm. right? Um, there's only so much that you can actually see in on the on a camera. You're not seeing the patient as a whole. You're not taking certain vitals that is important, certain measurements of their blood pressures, or you know their blood pressure may be elevated, and I'm not able to do that unless they do have a machine at home that they can take care of it. I understand it's convenient for the patient, and to be honest, if it's going to make my patient have a visit with me and I'll be able to review their issues, then I'm absolutely for it. I have seen, however, how I have been able to counsel a lot of patients, especially with anxiety and depression in these times. Therefore, I think the, the virtual in that sense virtual visits have been extremely helpful, but Mm -hmm. it definitely takes away a little bit of, you know, the face-to-face encounter with the patient, you being able to listen to their heart and their lungs and 
that proximity to the patient. It definitely makes things a little bit more warm. And Dr. Rosario, why is it so important that we have our annual exam? And is it annual? Is it every year for someone about to turn 40? We should look at every patient as as an individual. We have guidelines as to how often we should do this, annual visits or physicals, but physicals are key even in your young adults, um, when you're feeling healthy, to promote good health care. And um, they're extremely important as preventive steps in health care. You can have high blood pressure and not know this. You can have your cholesterol is a little bit off and not know about it from eating out so much and often with your friends when you're enjoying your time outside. Your weight might have gone up and might have gone from an overweight to an obesity um, category. You may have a diabetes and not even recognize the subtle symptoms or no symptoms at all. And therefore, that's one of the importance of having your physical on a yearly basis or maybe every two years say that in your family there's a history of diabetes, I would like to look at you closer if your weight is going a little bit high. Um, Is this an issue of increased energy intake and decreased exercise, which is usually the issue? Mm -hmm. Or is this something that we need to start thinking about it now so not to develop diabetes in the future as so many members in your family have. So with a family history, would you recommend an annual physical for that person regardless of age? Physical should ha- should happen every year. Okay. Regardless of your age. It should happen every year. If your um, risk factors are very low, let's say you are a person that don't smoke cigarettes, drink alcohol socially, one or two glasses of wine in the weekends or maybe one glass of wine with your dinner. If you exercise on a regular basis at least three times a week, um, if if your body max index is within normal weight and you are eating healthy and there's no medical issues, probably every two years. But if one or more than one of those factors that I just described Mm -hmm. are not there, it would be my hope that you would come every year to assess the risk as to whether is this going, is it getting better, is it getting worse. Remember, the idea is the key is prevention. That's what primary care doctors, that's what we are made of, and that's what we bring in. We definitely want to prevent and we want to maintain your health for years to come. And it sounds like it's very important to be honest with yourself and with your physician. If you're breaking some of the rules, we need to be honest about that with our doctors. Absolutely. As honest as you can be with your doctor. Remember, your doctor is here to guide you and to help you. If you're not letting them know everything, there's only so much that they can try to use their intuition. But you have to be honest with your physician. And that circles us back to creating that relationship that you need and that is so important to establish um, with your physician because that way you will feel comfortable telling them about the use of marijuana or that you experimented with any drugs or that you're having an issue with having going out and drinking a little bit more than you used to. So certain things that you don't want to be honest about, that's why it's so important to have that relationship with your primary care doctor. Right. You build that rapport and with that comes trust and and that's how you can let them really help you. Mm -hmm. 
Dr. Rosario, thank you so much for joining us and helping get the word out, especially to millennials. We all need a primary care physician. It's going to enhance your health and your life. Thank you, Anne. If you or someone you love needs a primary care physician, Hartford HealthCare Medical Group has a search tool for you. Visit HartfordHealthCare.org, click Find a Doctor, and then you can search by location and specialty. Or call 1-877-707-4442. Thanks for listening to More Life. I'm ready for my close-up. All the faces start to light up. You know I love this feeling. I got more life in my life.